You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1114. From self-driving cars to automatic machines, technology is taking over much of society. And frankly, we had a very uh, rigorous conversation about that in the studio here before we went live on the air. We'll just leave that conversation for another time. I've invited author, and I'm excited to say author, Lisa Anderson. She's also a business owner. LMA Consulting is her firm. I've known her as a supply chain expert, manufacturing consultant, but she's also now a published author. So we're going to talk about uh, technology and manufacturing and being an author. So we're going to have a ranging conversation. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's nice Glad to be here. It's nice to have you on. I'm so proud of you for writing and publishing your book. How do you feel about having a book published now and being a published author? That's great. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Let yeah. me, uh, I'm going to get up, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for those of you that are watching us on the live stream. And I didn't bring her book. She was generous. And I'm going to hand my phone to Paul. And Paul's going to put it up on the screen. So that's a digital copy of what her book looks like, the cover. And if someone wants to buy your book, what are they going to learn from reading your book, Lisa? Actually, it's going to, they're going to learn a wide ranging set of skills that you need to run a business, manufacturing or supply chain type organization, uh, successfully from uh, leadership through uh, technology, how to imp- leverage technology for success and how to, uh, um, how to ensure that you achieve the financial results and achieve scalable growth. Okay. And what is the title of your book? I've been thinking, uh, turning everyday opportunities into, or everyday interactions into profitable opportunities. Do you share my belief that running a manufacturing company successfully is one, successfully is one of the most difficult business models out there for business? Manufacturing is challenging? It certainly certainly is challenging. The, my clients uh, struggle with it a, a, on a daily basis, but I think we're in the uh, we're positioned in a great period of time here for success. Okay. Cuz but I also okay, so maybe this will build on that. My first question was really the setup. My second question, which is the point that I make to people that have a manufacturing or even construction business model, is those levers of complexity are also potential drivers of value. Absolutely true. Because they're points of differentiation that a service company. I had a banker just on an earlier segment, and they're a great bank. And what we were talking about, much of what they offer are common to other banks. And so, how do you differentiate when much of your platform is common? manufacturers have that advantage in that maybe there's some complexity in their business that they can exploit to the goodness. Absolutely true. Uh, What I find is my most successful clients find a way to provide superior value and service because manufacturing is not just about producing product anymore. It's really about how do you provide a superior customer experience um, with manufacturing uh, as one of those uh, elements. Right. And I've had you... uh, in the spirit of full disclosure, Lisa has been generous to speak on occasion for me to a number of the CEO peer groups that I lead here in Orange County. And part of the my memory is in your discussion with them about the importance of a supply chain and a professionally led, managed <laughs> supply chain, because that really can be a Achilles heel, can't it? For Oh, absolutely, because your supply, I consider the supply chain from your supplier, supplier through your manufacturing operations 
both in-sourced and outsourced, uh, to your customer's customer. So there's many uh, wow. pieces that can go awry in the middle. So if you can find a way to provide value and provide quicker, better service, um, you can you know outpass your oh, outpace your competition. I have had a career in sales and marketing, and I always espoused how important it was that my clients picked me because I was a good vendor. But until I was the president of Delphi, and I then also had responsibility for purchasing, did I realize how really important it is to have good suppliers. Because now I was more dependent on them, right? I yes. was the customer now. It was a different situation. It's very true. Yeah, suppliers is absolutely it's where it starts in a way because you have to right. start with your supplier supplier to get materials in in order to manufacture successfully and your customer really does not care about all that goes on behind the scenes they want to have a superior product a superior service uh, delivered when they need it um, where they need it um, almost without telling you ideally right yeah it should be and in in the space that i was in we didn't maintain a lot of inventory. We used just-in-time and Kanbans, and so any hiccup in any of the supply chain didn't take long to ripple into the business. We, right. And you, and you only have to be missing one of the hundred parts it takes to build the product to be down. You're That's, done. <laughs> You're out. It's very true. And yeah. actually, today, in, in today's Amazon-impacted environment, yes. one misshipment or one um, missed opportunity could lead to you know a loss of a significant customer because they will go somewhere else. They'll find some someone wow. else and then next thing you know you've lost a, a major... C- can we play with that thought for a second? Because you just, you just... Amazon has spoiled me as a consumer <laughs> for my online shopping experience. Yes, me they, as well. <laughs> they, they have set the expectation that I have for any vendor as far as communicating status making mm-hmm. it easy, and getting the product in a timely manner, and frankly not paying for it because I'm prime. Has that bled into the B2B space too, though? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Customers' expectations? Absolutely. Uh, regardless of, most of my clients don't compete directly with Amazon. However, they've all been significantly impacted by Amazon and Amazon-like uh, policies. So, in essence, they're expecting they're expecting to call up and get a customer on the phone on a Sunday or in the middle of the night. I mean, they don't care where you're located. Right. I mean, you could have manufacturing in Asia or you could be manufacturing here. Um, So they, you know, they think 24-7 accessibility, um, rapid deliveries. So like, you know, Amazon delivers on um, next day, same day, a couple hours later. And many of my clients, especially in... um, like building products industry, which doesn't seem like it would be that time sensitive, but it's like probably one of the most time sensitive industries. Really, uh, they expect really rapid deliveries. Food, of course, would expect rapid deliveries as well. But even even industries like aerospace, which is known for longer lead times, exactly, their lead times are pretty, you know, getting cut in half in essence uh, over time here. So it's it's a, it's impacting everyone. So it's not just lead times; it's lead times, accessibility, expecting you to know what. The customers are expecting us to know what we need, what they need, and maybe you know send it to them for them, hmm. so that you know you're taking care of the back end. So they just have what they need when they need it, and well, then they're happy. Well, <laughs> in, the, in the second block, I wanted to talk to you about technology and how that's disrupting or changing or impacting in a positive and negative way manufacturing and kind of the ecosystem around that. So I'm gonna you open the door by sort of suggesting this predictive ability that maybe technology could offer, yep. right? But but wouldn't, that would be an aspect, I would think, that 
even smaller manufacturers can use, right? The oh, yeah. Technology is pushing its way down into all size companies now. You don't have to be Watson and IBM no. to figure out how to take advantage of these tools and platforms. Yes, no, you, uh, big, I work with the big guys, the multi-billion dollar companies, and also a small family-owned business, and they all have to utilize technology in a smart way to be successful today. Or they, you know, they just will, they'll end up keeping up with the competition in terms of service, but they'll do it at a much higher cost and with right. much more inventory and cash tied up. Yeah, brute force. Yeah. Right, you just, you're, you're going to make it happen by sheer will. Correct. That can, <laughs> that can be exhausting and expensive. Exactly. So right. they, it doesn't, you know, they don't stay around long that way. Right, they burn out <laughs> even. I would think that would be very taxing. But yeah. then again, you can really fall into the trap of thinking technology is going to solve problems uh, by the very, very nature of the technology platform without the customization and the training and the rest of it, right? Uh, very true. <laughs> I, I also help clients select the right ERP system, the yes. system that they use to ship, receive, invoice, that type of thing, as long with the peripherals that we'll talk more about. And, you know, it's a common misconception that uh, clients think that um, if they get the new system, that it'll solve all their issues. And it never does. If you have lousy data going into your system, all you do is you have quicker lousy data. <laughs> <laughs> and more of it, right? That's right. More of it. Yes, that, and much more of it right. these days. Yeah. yeah and you can't even figure out what it is that you're looking for anymore. So right. you really better do something. Right. You can really <laughs> confuse the business by that. All right. We're, my engineer is telling us it's time to take our first break. Wow. Ten minutes have flown by with you. And Okay. So don't go anywhere, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, because when we come back, I promise we're going to talk about technology <clears throat> and its implications after this word from me. Best-selling author Richard Franzi's written what Marshall Goldsmith has called an incredibly poignant foray into the realm of unintended consequences of executives' decisions. In Killing Cats Leads to Rats, Mitigating the Unintended Consequences of Business Decisions, Richard Franzi takes a close look at the impact of unintended consequences on business performance and employee engagement. Through the retelling of the experiences of executives at Pepsi, Wells Fargo, Kodak, Volkswagen, and many others, Richard paints a compelling real-world account for how executives leading firms of all sizes must do a better job of anticipating and controlling the outcomes of their strategic business decisions. Killing Cats Leads to Rats is available through major bookstores in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook formats. To learn more, visit www.richardfranzi.com. <laughs> Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. You have to excuse me, Lisa is a is a friend, a longtime friend, and so we were just sort of talking about the impact of her book has has had on her business, which has been very positive. Um, so I won't read the whole intro that I normally read. Just let me let you know the radio show has been on the air since 2009. We've reached hundreds of thousands of listeners. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, just type in Critical Mass Radio Show into your favorite podcasting software, and uh, you'll get our weekly shows with great guests like Lisa Anderson. So let's talk about technology. We tipped it up a little bit at the last block, but really... Um, in your experience working with manufacturers of all sizes, where are you seeing the positive impacts for technology into their business model? Well, I think really one of the largest impacts of technology is actually the strategic use of data. Because you brought this up earlier, and that is everyone's overwhelmed. I mean, before they even, an hour after they're woken up in the morning, they've already received 
who knows how many emails from, from the night before and text messages and um, news radio programs. And if they started driving to work, they've driven by billboard signs. So there's just an overwhelming amount of data. And so a key for a business is how do we put this data to good use to make good decisions and, and look at where we need to go in the future. So uh, one of the ways of utilizing technology is to to get the right data from the systems and yeah. also to utilize that data. I um, So in my latest book, Killing Cats Leads to Rats, one of the areas that I talk about in my model to avoid unintended consequences is to not get overwhelmed with data. Be because in the era, era of big data, you don't have to be a large corporation that just no. <laughs> have so much data at your fingertips. And I think there's a difference between data and information. I mean, you got to really be true. able to take that data and make some sense of it, right? That's right. And, and there's, I write about the, an acronym FOBO, fear of being offline. I mean, and, and, <laughs> and email apnea, which is the suspension of normal breathing because you're anticipating your eating. Technology has created such a challenge inside of many businesses. And, and it can very be just, true. can be very distracting. You know, one of the areas that I'm watching because of unintended consequences, Lisa, is the whole area of artificial intelligence, Internet of Things, machine learning, deep learning, all these things that are happening at a, at a breakneck pace with a lot of big companies putting a lot of money behind them. Yes, absolutely. Uh, there's, I'd say they're, they're very prevalent in um, several ways. Like for, in a manufacturing organization, the Internet of Things and machine learning is really um, coming into play for like preventative maintenance. So mm. instead of just doing maintenance um, on a preventative maintenance schedule, which was the old way of doing things that was progressive. Uh, now it's like, let's figure out where the machine's going to be breaking down right before it breaks down so that we can um, make sure that we're, always, that we're always up and running. So that's like one example that relates to manufacturing. Some more of the uh, um, interesting aspects of artificial intelligence where it can really help is in predicting your customer demand. And that's really critical in terms of being able to um, achieve a superior customer service and have the right the right product in the right place at the right time at most importantly the lowest cost and with the least amount of inventory tied up which is cash tied up in your system well, so that, that can be really key that sounds like manufacturing nirvana <laughs> yes exactly so <laughs> there's a lot uh, to be said for uh, using predictive analytics uh, to help with forecasting and uh, well the, you know the ports are looking at uh, use, utilizing a uh, more of all of those tools to mm -hmm. how do we it's a big scheduling problem if, as you can imagine having all the uh the trucks and the um ships and you know everything else and how do we how do we know where something is located on a ship and so technology is coming into play to be able to see um where like everything is at each point in the supply chain also it seems to me that in wherever in your business you have a lot of data <clears throat> and you need to kind of make intelligent uh, decisions based on that data, that's where you should be looking at technology and some type of intelligence to help you to filter the data to make better, more informed decisions. Yeah, you're exactly right. Because, I mean, you can go overboard. Some of my clients do go overboard. Okay. And then they just, you know, uh, are overwhelmed with a lot of data and really don't have any better information, any information to make a decision anyway. So to your point, it's really in the areas where... It's related to a strategic element of your business or a profit driver, or how do you better serve a customer if you can find a data-intensive area? And, you know, the Internet of Things brings different sets of data together, mm -hmm. you know, between your 
machines and your right. technology and like how do you bring it all together all it really does is put it in the right place at the right time to make a good decision right there there was a i heard a speaker talking about american airlines and how they used to have hundreds of people who were responsible for rerouting planes whenever there was like bad weather because it's all an integrated puzzle right right moving <laughs> those planes around and it's a domino and it used to take whenever there was a major issue those hundreds of employees quite a while to reconfigure the routing map turned it into a platform ai technology yeah. sucks up all the information does it much more quickly and much more accurately yeah. so that we the airline passenger aren't as obviously impacted by the negative scheduling it's it's right. those kind of applications where if you can bring a lot of data that needs to be analyzed almost at the same time that's where you should be applying the absolutely technology in your business absolutely true and it also in your example it's a great example because it also relates back to the customer because when my plane's delayed um with the especially with the airlines that i have status on by the time i land they've already figured out like how i'm going to get there in a in a less obtrusive way right so that's that's helpful too but it, in the end result is customer customer service but to your point they use technology in the right aspects to get that right and with my latest book killing cats leads to rats i'm always looking at unintended consequences and one of the risks that i think for smaller and middle market companies is you you end up advocating have you seen this at all where people abdicate or or allow technology in the platform sort of to make too many decisions for them where yes. where, where they lose the uh, the ability or willingness to make decisions for themselves without letting the machine or the d device tell them what is right and wrong. Yes, you're, you're absolutely right. You have to have high tech along with high touch. Okay. So you have to be able to think while you're making decisions. I have clients all the time, especially when we're putting metrics into play. So we're trying to utilize data to your point that's uh, been captured in one of their many systems. And it comes up with something goofy. And so <laughs> somebody who hasn't been there a while or maybe just following the process as you know this is what's recommended and you know hopefully the owner or somebody uh, will step up and say wait a minute this makes no sense because we've always shipped you know i don't know a hundred of these to the to the east coast so uh, you know whatever the situation is so you have to bring common sense back into the equation as well mm -hmm. and um I do. I was at a trade show last week uh, for uh, real estate. It's the largest commercial real estate show in the country in Las Vegas, and one of the exhibitors had a uh, robotic guard, and so I, I just had to stop and talk to the guy, right, about <laughs> the, what am I looking at here and what does this right. thing? And it's not the first time that I've seen this concept, but pretty amazing what this little, what looked like an eggshell, basically a four foot tall eggshell with cameras and everything is capable of doing and and that seems to me to be an area where technology and automation can kind of move into business in a non a little less threatening way true true yes yeah, several especially in manufacturing there's a lot of tasks that are automatable in essence uh, where there's no high risk to customers or or anything mm -hmm. and so those are the ideal types of tasks for a robot to take on in the beginning which will help you achieve more because in some of my clients they actually set the robot up not necessarily to just reduce costs although that could be a part of it but they actually set it up to improve service because they needed to ship uh, they needed to produce around the clock and they could not find enough people to produce around the clock so they built a robot to produce on second and third shifts hmm. and they could set it up and do everything they needed on first shifts so that way they could um, 
serve their customer and at a lower cost because they they didn't need um, people there in the in at nighttime. So that that uh, we're running out of time, and I have so many more questions. But one of the things that I am observing, and I wonder if you're closer to it than I, um, that the humans that are around technology who aren't really using it but are watching and observing it. Do, do you see a culture? Do do you work with your clients to say, hey, there's the cultural reality that we now have the second shift, which is not people anymore, it's machines. And for the people that are first shift, how do we make them feel comfortable with this concept? Yeah, I mean, part of uh, a big part of my practice is looking at change, navigating change successfully, which really isn't getting people used to some negative change. That's really not what it's about. It's about how do you involve people with the change in a positive way, because robots by themselves cannot uh, deliver superior customer service. We need the people and the robots combined. Mm -hmm. So it's it's how how um, my clients are presenting it to, to uh, their employees and how they can make it into a, more of a win-win and give them opportunities to learn. And most people want to play with robots, if you will. <laughs> you, you said something before we even started the show that you think it's a great time to be a manufacturing company in Southern California. Oh, actually, I think it is the perfect time because we have, with the Amazon effect, which we talked about earlier today, everyone is expecting, every single one of my clients, their customers are expecting immediate delivery. I mean, their lead times are cut in half at best, probably more than that, because wow. they're really expecting really quick deliveries. And they're expecting customizations. They want something for them, because who doesn't want you know, a customized product for them? So if we want high customization, quick deliveries, you really need to um, locate manufacturing closer to the customer. Right. So that's going to really bring up other technologies like 3D printing as well, um, more and more in the future, because you can just print on the fly um, certain items and have them right there. But it's making it so that having manufacturing located closer to the customer um, with the ports being here where we can get materials and other manufacturing goods that maybe we assemble as well. Right. Um, it's And we have access to some of the most talented workforce. Um, high-tech high tech skills are prevalent in, um, in California. And uh, we have access to a large labor pool, which is not definitely not the case elsewhere. Cause some of my clients have thought about moving and they couldn't find anybody to work for them. Mm. So it's kind of like the perfect storm, if you will, in terms of the advantages of manufacturing in Southern California. If we can uh, get the uh, politics to help us as well, that'd be great. But right. nevertheless, it's, it's, there's, um, there, we are taking costs out of the system through mm -hmm. technology, through robots, and through, you know, delivering very close to the customer so it's really um, yeah because this is a huge market opportunity in oh, southern california right actually yeah LA it's like the, all, um, the whole state where it's the fifth largest fifth largest fifth, yeah it's right? like it would be the fifth largest Ouch. uh state in the um Economy i mean that's, that's huge yeah, that's huge so right. clearly yeah. there's plenty of customers <laughs> so so you opened up a, a a topic that we unfortunately do not have time but you know i think i think 3d uh printing is can change the way we think about manufacturing absolutely yeah. I mean, print, customize, and print print as you go. Now, it's not, of course, just like technology is never appropriate for every situation. Right. But there's plenty of them, and, it, and they recently, three, GE recently uh, printed up a uh, engine, a jet engine oh for it. So, I mean, there's a see, lot you see, can do. I think the whole <laughs> name is wrong. I think that the fact that they picked 3D printing is it's a limiting, 
it limits the concept of what it is. Yeah, it's, additive manufacturing is probably a better name. Exactly. It's just less known. Right. <laughs> it's a little. It's a little less. Yeah. 3D printing. Oh, you can write that. And people know printing and 3D. Okay, but this really is. If you're making an aircraft engine, this isn't making printing out of molds and no. and and plastics and stuff. <laughs> this is making high stress parts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's high tech. It's 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 it is more additive high manufacturing. Tolerance. It's and 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 it gives you the capability to think differently about quantity and location. Correct. I, Correct. I, I um. Why stockpile? There's no room anyway. Right. <laughs> I had a uh, entrepreneur on the show who invests in companies, and one of the companies that he's investing in is making is using 3D printing to make organs. Yeah, it's amazing. And there, and it's being tested, and it still has a lot to go through with FDA. But the the belief is take a piece of your body part and we'll make another one just like it to replace it i mean this is revolution and this is in our lifetime kind of changes that are going to happen i know no i know it's it's i think manufacturing as a as a general is making a comeback for many reasons and this will just add to it but of course again it's always doing it in a smart way and not taking everything as Black or white. Right. And, and it's not even, it, it, it's manufacturing, but it's more than manufacturing. It, it is. There's almost like a different word for what it, it's going to be. Yes. And they go, oh, yeah, that's that's how we used to make things, but we don't do it that way anymore because technology has enabled a whole new paradigm. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like, I don't know, customer-focused manufacturing or something. Whatever. I don't know. but Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think we are living in interesting times, and you yeah. are in an interesting space. So if someone would like to buy your book, how do they buy your book? They can go on Amazon. <laughs> join the join I'd be the crowd. Surprised if you said it wasn't on Amazon. <laughs> That's right. They can go on Amazon or they can go on iTunes and search for you know Lisa Anderson and uh, the title of uh, my book and it should pop right up. You can get it on a um, a Kindle. Okay. Or um, or you can buy it in hardcover. Okay. And if they would like to learn more about your consulting firm, how do they find your uh, organization? So the best way would be to go to my website, which is uh, www.lma hyphen consultinggroup.com okay so and it's uh there's plenty of uh articles and free information you can and sign who, up for my newsletter who should who should do that what type of companies are you helping i help uh any types of companies that work with products and services so i i focus on manufacturing and uh supply chain uh type organizations and you know products that are products and services Yes, and you come very highly recommended. Let me tell you, I can speak from experience that uh, Lisa does. She knows what she talks about, and you can obviously see that here on the radio show. So start with the book and maybe look at our website as well. And thank you for being a friend of the program and a part of the Critical Mass community. Great. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Thank you. I've been looking forward to having you on the show. Congratulations on your Great, book. Thank very, you. very happy for you. I'd like to thank Paul Roberts, who's our engineer for today's show, our producers, without whom this show would not go on are Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. If you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. My latest book is Killing Cats Leads to Rats, Mitigating Unintended Consequences of Business Decisions, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, major booksellers. Buy it. Hopefully you'll enjoy it. Um, Until the next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.